Hi everyone and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host Ant and you join me today for episode number 143, which is my 2024 New Year special. So thank you all for tuning in for today's episode. Um, I hope you are all doing well and um, managing to enjoy this festive time no matter what um, you might be up to. So in today's um, in today's show, what I want to talk about really is I'm going to um, I'm going to raise some what I believe will be important themes worthy of consideration um, going to arise for many of us during um, 2024. I'm also going to make reference to, of course, what we often think about this time of year is things like New Year's resolutions, which I know might seem a bit crass people often say don't they you know by by January the 2nd they've they've already broken whatever new year's resolutions they might have set for themselves but i think there are there is um you know if we remove our cynicism i think there is something worthy or of note to the idea of new year's re- resolutions and i'm just going to um talk about that with regards to how we might how we might um sort of undertake a sort of life review um at this particular time of year and why that might be helpful and then lastly, I'm going to look at the thorny issue of um, the US and UK elections, which obviously are going to be two major issues for the coming uh, new year in a few days time. Uh, obviously, um, yeah, it's something that's going to be in the news a lot and it's going to be what a lot of people are going to be talking about, especially, I think, the US presidential election, bearing in mind what happened last time. Anyway, more about that in a wee while. So first of all, I want to talk about a really quite strange, peculiarly British institution um, that always rises to prominence at this time of year, and that is called the New Year's Honours List. Now, if you're not a Brit, you probably haven't heard of the New Year's Honours List. This is a really curious, as I say, saying an institution whereby um, the so-called great and good, be they sports stars, um, actors, scientists, uh, anyone really of note, um, they are given special awards or more colloquially known as uh, gongs. You may well have heard of things like um, OBE or MBE. And I never um, actually um, was aware of what they stood for, but it speaks to the quite kind of like class-ridden historical um, kind of aspect of British society and so OBE stands for um, the officer of the most excellent order of the British Empire I mean that sounds very grandiose doesn't it and MBE stands for member of the excellent order of the British Empire I mean the sound um, in this so-called modern woke progressive era they set, They seem to be kind of um, outdated. The the New Year's Honours List does seem to be a very outdated kind of institution. The reason why I'm talking about it is because it's it's a very important mechanism whereby, um, to put it in a very sort of simple way, um, people who are seen to have played the game, said the right things, given the right performances, made the right speeches... Um, they're basically rewarded for their um, loyalty to to the system. So you may or may not be aware that um, back in the 
back in the 60s, in 1965 to be exact, the Beatles, or the Fab Four, of course, as they were more famously known, they uh, all uh, individually received uh, an MBE. Now, rather controversially, um, John Lennon, he returned his uh, MBE in, in 1969. And I just share the quote that he, he made, um, or I should say what he put in a letter. And he said, um, I'm returning my MBE as a protest against Britain's involvement in the Nigeria slash Biafra thing. Uh, and against our, in other words, UK support of America in Vietnam and, you know, in Lennon's own kind of comic style, he finishes by saying, and against cold turkey slipping down the charts, end quote. Now, this is a kind of fascinating period um, in British history because that was uh, around about the time that Lennon was beginning to move um, to become more political and more outspoken. So obviously he felt that it was right um, to to return his um, MBE as he as he probably you know came to an understanding of of what this of what 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 this actually um, what what this actually constitutes and perhaps like me and many others with a more discerning critical eye see it as it's a way in which um, you know high profile public figures sort of join the first run of of the establishment and and not only is it as i was saying before a sort of um a reward for loyalty to the system it also buys their continued um compliance or their continued um allegiance um to the system so um one of the reasons why i'm mentioning this is quite interestingly um inter interestingly i should say sorry um someone who received um a gong in this year's particular new uh, uh, New Year's Honours list, I believe it was uh, the um, it was announced in the past few days, kind of thing. And this is a person called John Edmonds. Now he's um, he's a um, a boffin, a science type, trust a science type person who works at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, and he was given an award or a gong. Um, for, for being recognised uh, for services to epidemiology, uh, including the modelling work that made the case for lockdowns. So he was someone that we saw here in the UK, at least, um, so on our TV screens. He was, he actually became known as Dr. Lockdown, this uh, Dr. John Edmonds character. And, you know, the sort of typical trust the science, soulless types with the small beady eyes and the and the real a, a featureless face devoid of any real character or any soul or heart one might say and he continually was he was um he was really loving the limelight and he was continually um continually pushing for for longer and um more harsher more extensive terms to to lockdowns and i can remember getting uh, very angry and probably throwing things at the tv whilst whilst listening to him and um, and again, what this speaks to is um, for any of us or any of you out there still thinking that justice is going to be served in relationship to COVID, that there's court cases, that there's uh, revelations coming, that there's a Nuremberg trials, uh, you know, Mark II. It's, it's never going to happen. It's never, ever, ever going to happen. And it's a lesson again to us to 
stop looking to outside events to end our own personal suffering. And that's, uh, you know, I've come to that understanding myself in a very hard way um, in, in recent years. And again, with this character, this Dr. John Edmonds, um, it's another example of how the system rewards um, incompetence and, and mediocrity because obviously his modelling um, has had a disastrous impact, as I was saying last time in my last latest episode of Into the Void. His modelling uh, has had a disastrous impact on, on British um, society and continues and no doubt will um, for many, many um, years. So that's, that's something that I always find... Um, curious at this time of year the old new year's um honors list and i normally um i normally don't really take much notice of it but i think this kind of um this science this so-called scientist uh being award uh being given an, an award it did it did kind of um peak it did peak my interest because of course um Another another important sort of feature, if you like, of the New Year's Honours List is that the general public at large, you know, it's it's kind of like a way in which the system says, you know, these are the great and good. These are the people that know what they're doing. And these are the people that should be rewarded, whether they're pop stars or same before, whether they're pop stars, actors, scientists, journalists or any type of, you know, public figure. We, you know it's a kind of a message um quite a clear message to the public that these are the people that in future you can't question that you know they've reached a certain position or status in life that means they are are immune to to scrutiny or they are uh, immune to any you know to any form of um criticism even of course and you imagine it it's really a, a classic case of also the um, of the ego being embellished. Well, you know, I've got I've got an OBE, I've I've got an MBE, and and you often find that a lot of these people that are given these um, awards or or gongs, they 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 tend to be you know, they don't tend to be very interesting people. They do tend to be. Um, they do tend to be quite quite mediocre people and they don't tend to be people that um really have anything interesting um have anything interesting to say and just lastly on this point it it um it's a, a, a peculiarly sorry i can't get my words out, a peculiarly british um institution this new year's um honors list and uh, speaks to our sort of still quite ingrained um, social class system. Although, as you might imagine, in the last sort of 10, 20 years, as political correctness has progressed into this uh, modern form of wokeism, uh, we have stranger and stranger uh, awards given out for the most um, kind of like, you know, ludicrous um, uh, reasons. But yeah, it still does... Um, it still does have quite a, an important part to play in this sort of, I've spoken about this before. One of the key aspects in which how mainstream society works, runs and how people's perceptions are, are created. And this idea of consensus reality is having 
uh, it's having a series of events that just play out at the same time every year. And this is basically, because this is a com key component of mind control, is repetition, 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 repetition. So it's this time of the year, the end of the year, oh, we have the New Year's Honours list. Uh, and it's just one of many, many different events. And, it, and it's an example, um, again, I think sort of not having lived abroad, but I do know that the the control system or consensus reality in in Britain is 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 extremely rigid. It's extremely as you know if you are are a Brit and listening as we saw during COVID. Um, it's so if you just deviate from that, um, people do think you're strange. You know if you don't want to watch the nightly news every single day, then there's something you know a little bit rebellious or or radical about you but it is it's like um everything's on a repeat loop and that is a very very sort of basic but extremely important component or dimension of um of mind control it's just repeating the same message having the same events play out at the same point in the year over and over again anyway it's going to move on now um i'm going to I'm going to look, as I said at the start, I'm going to look at now some of what I believe are going to be some key themes, if you like, important themes playing out in society in the realm of human relationships, for example. And the first one is, I think, 2024, something you're going to see, we're all going to see in our lives, in our day to day lives, whatever they may look like, is rising anger and frustration in this sense in which we're living in a a kind of um pressure cooker scenario a pressure cooker atmosphere with increasing economic pressures and many people uh, rightly i believe uh, believe um or sense that the system is working against them and it, and increasingly people are having this perception well what is the point if the cost of living is so expensive if it's so expensive to just maintain a basic life, a roof over our heads. What is the incentive to advance oneself? What is the incentive to to work work hard? And and also um, many people now they have this recognition that there are no real political or economic solutions, or we can't um, you can't just press a reset reset button in terms of trying things like new laws, new regulations, uh, or different um kind of different modes of social um society reform none of these um none of these work anymore and even if the public you know um might not necessarily have an awareness of sort of um a conspiracies or conspiratorial mindset they might not have been down any rabbit holes i do think there is a growing cynicism cynicism i do think there's a growing bewilderment um, just um, uh, the the lack of meaning and purpose um, to life, which is leading, as I say, and will lead to a lot more frustration and anger uh, in 2024. And that's not to be, I'm not being depressing. I'm not being a doom porn merchant, but I just think, um, I just think that's inevitable as uh, the pressure of awakening, the force of awakening intensifies further in 2024. And 
playing safe becomes less and less of a viable option for many, many millions, if not billions of people um, around the world. So just to give some examples, what that's going to mean, going to mean in 2024 is more and more we're going to hear, you know, our friends and families, such and such are broken up. No way. Really? I thought they were, you know, a tight unit. I thought they were a tight ship. You know, they were really a really good couple. No, they've broken up. But you're going to see coming with this anger and frustration is um, what I think we're going to move from now is what we had during the three years of COVID um, is people were very much, well, okay, I'm just going to do what I'm I'm going to do what I'm being told here. I might not agree with it. And it's just coping, 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 coping. This sort of remaining in coping mode is going, I believe in 2024 is going to blow apart. So that's going to, it's going to really um, implode a lot of um, relationships, friendships, uh, intimate relationships or or any type of um you know dynamics between human beings because we're not going to have i believe into 24 and of course going forward um we're not going to have this the option of just remaining in coping mode which means we're going to have to make decisions should i stay in this job or should i leave it should i stay in this relationship um should I, should i should i leave it and I mean, ultimately, uh, initially, at least, it seems that there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of um, emotional heartache and stress in the world. But I think ultimately it is, you know, we do need to, to break the mould. We need to break free from just remaining in coping mode. But it is going to be challenging. It's going to be difficult for us to go through it. It's going to be difficult for us um, to witness it in others as well. And something to be cautious of as well is is um in ourselves as much as anybody else is when we feel this frustration and anger also there's a, um you know that desire i feel it quite often to just disengage from the world and to develop quite a cynical um quite a cynical attitude to life and a cynical attitude um cynical attitude towards other people and kind of a phrase that I've coined in the past is, you know, we, we, we should avoid making, um, making a stone of our heart. It's really easy to get, to get hardened. And it's a way that we can kind of, um, that we can kind of cope in that we, we just don't feel anymore. Uh, and perhaps we, we, we kind of like perceive that because we feel so raw, because there's so much emotion, because there's so much change going on and so many things being wrenched apart and breaking apart, we just can't deal with with with, with all the emotion of it all. So we disengage, we become cynical and, um, you know, we, we, we make a stone of our heart, as I was saying. And I just, um, I watched a film the other day and... Uh, it's a film of it's one of my favorite films actually of all time um it's of a christmas theme although i think it's more about um thanksgiving rather than christmas obviously um in late november i think um so it's the film called planes trains and automobiles um from the 80s starring um the the late great john candy god 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 uh, bless his soul and um and Steve Martin, Martin, of course, and 
the reason why I'm talking about this is it's it's so excellent, I think, because the Steve Martin uh, Steve Martin character is your sort of typical metropolitan urban type. He's an advertising executive, you know, a bit like um, Phil Connors in uh, in Groundhog Day. This sort of cynical attitude towards life, a sort of I know best. You know, I've got a high profile job, and, and um, you know, every, everyone around me is just a, you know, it's just a, an unevolved hick. I know what's really going on in the world. Oh, that sounds kind of familiar. Some of the less conscious uh, aspects of the whole trufer um, movement, <laughs> which I've spoken about before. But what I love about this film is how over time the Steve Martin character um he kind of he kind of learns to love the the John Candy uh character and he he sort of comes he he comes to um he comes to love his uh his idiosyncrasies his kind of oafish behavior how he can be outspoken um, but also what's delightful about the film Planes, Trains and Automobiles is, as I was watching it, I was recognising how, you know, the, the Steve Martin character, what what is he trying to, he's, he's constantly annoyed in all of these funny scenes when they're in the motel and they're in the bed together, when they're in the car driving across the States. And um, you get this idea that, no matter what he does, wherever he is with the John Candy character, the sidekick, or whatever he's doing, the pair of them, he it's kind of like just a metaphor. His continual annoyances are sort of like a metaphor for how wherever we go in life, whatever we do, we can't escape ourselves. Every day we wake up, it's like, right, here we go. It's just me versus the world again. And I like that. I think that's really that's a really a, a delightful little metaphor um you know of how life can it can feel like a struggle when we feel you know everything's not going our way that's why you know you've got the beautiful balance of the john candy character in that he he's he's the the, the childish the playful one he always he always makes light of difficult situations like when they needed to raise money um at the airport he was selling the shower curtains to all the the, the women at the at the airport um airport terminal to make money and he was sharing them as these sort of bespoke um earrings and 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 he he um he really um kind of exudes this sort of, almost like um a godlike quality really the John Candy character and it's it's only eventually as I say yeah the Steve Martin he um he eventually um, he actually welcomes John Candy the, at the very end. He welcomes the John Candy character into his home to meet his family, to meet his daughter, and to meet his son and his, and his wife. And for the, the you know entirety of the movie, he was trying to get away from him, trying to get away from himself, trying to run one away, trying to run away from himself. But then, maybe perhaps unconsciously, by the end of the movie, a delightful Christmas themed movie, he 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 realizes that. Oh, actually, all of the annoyances, you know, that the, the um, John Candy character has, all of the annoyances, actually, they're just unacknowledged aspects of him. They're just the unacknowledged, uh, his unacknowledged, unacknowledged shadow, um, I should say. And 
it's it's a good it's a good movie to 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 remind us of what can happen when we lose ourselves to disengagement to cold detachment to cynicism which is going to be very tempting during 2024 and going ahead and how we really need to embrace our childish in a good way you know our playful side just enjoying life for for the fun of living because as things do pull up fall apart more and more from 2024 onwards we are going to be faced with a lot of frustration and anger from other people many of which will, will not have the kind of knowledge and understanding um that we have um about the world um and so they won't have that broader kind of context within which to understand what's going on and just to throw in a little bit of um, light, <laughs> a little bit of light with the shadow in terms of important themes for 2024. I think as the systems continue to falter and here in the UK, um, more and more it's becoming obvious that a, that a lot of like the, um, the sort of like the telecommunication systems, um, the water treatment systems, um, due to privatisation and decades of underinvestment, you know, <laughs> um, uh, a lot of the things hidden under the carpet, they're coming to surface now. The the lack of uh, investment from all these decades now, the chickens really are coming home, home to roost more and more. And people are becoming aware that there are some really, really, um, really big problems. So a lot of these systems that we've, we've, you know, grown to rely on throughout our lives or believe that they would always be there, you know, more and more people in 2024 are going to come to awareness that that's not going to be the case. And maybe the government and um, the local authorities aren't always going to be able to help us if, you know, the water is turned off or the electricity or there's no Internet or, you know, we can't flush our toilet, etc., etc. Maybe we're going to have to um, work together and 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 create our own uh, our own kind of um, our own uh, systems, if you will. And. But the, the kind of light in the darkness here is that we're going to be compelled. A big themes for 2024 in, uh, that are going to arise is this idea of trusting and allowing the universe. Sorry, I know it sounds a bit woo-woo, doesn't it? Trusting and allowing the universe. But I believe that to be true because the traditional ways in which people have looked at their lives and looked at the authorities and, and government to ensure that they have a certain, you know, economic prosperity or, um, you know, that their day to day lives have a certain amount of ease and, you know, uh, what should we say, ease and, and comfort. I think more and more we're going to we're going to have to kind of just trust the universe and allow and allow the universe to to play to play its part, because undoubtedly in 2024, Many economies, not just here in the UK, are are going to falter. They're going to they're going to go from crisis to to crisis. So I think that we're gonna we're going to have little choice but to but actually to look at life afresh because old ways of doing things are becoming more and more outdated. I think in twenty twenty four. Uh, that's going to become um, more and more obvious. And, and traditionally, when these things happen, people think, well, as individuals and as society or societies, we just need to work harder, be more industrious. 
that just isn't going to work. It, it's just actually that is going that that is going to make things worse. So part of, of course, of trusting and allowing and just enabling the universe to do its thing is is recognizing that we live in an infinite universe. We live in a universe of um, complete and total abundance. So that does mean it is incumbent upon us to really to really focus upon our, our what our passions are, focus upon the positive things that we want to bring about in the world, because in those positive emotions is the seed of of manifestation, of bringing about um, a better world. And um, I think we will we will be, um, yeah, as I say, we will be called upon to trust and allow more and more and more and of course that doesn't necessarily you know mean that we um we become passive and we just sit sit down and go oh, if we're unemployed well i'm not going to look for work i'm just going to you know i'm just going to trust the universe to do its thing we still have to take we still have to be an active participant in that uh, particular um manifestation process but just to flesh this out a wee bit i mean what personally what I've been finding is that I'm having I'm I'm being forced really to to trust the universe in that um, when I follow a more traditional path in terms of job hunting or in terms of trying to bring more abundance into my life. So if I would do the traditional ways to plan, work hard and the, you believe that, you know, these things will come to pass. Of course, hard work and industriousness is an important uh, component of manifesting what we need and what we may well desire. But there's there's so much more to it than that, because as well as trusting and allowing, we need to detach from um, we need to sort of detach from the outcome as well. And, I, and I've noticed just more and more. I'm just getting I'm not being I'm not my universe is not giving me the the luxury of doing things the old way. So like, you know, the traditional job hunt of looking on a website and applying for jobs in the traditional way. There is some element of where um, I've got to learn. I've got to trust and allow that opportunities will will come my way, if you will. I've got to trust and allow allow that process because every time in recent months that I haven't and I've applied for jobs in the traditional way, everything's gone south, everything's gone kind of pear shaped. So I think, <clears throat> excuse me, so I think in, um, in 2024, what we are going to find for many of us, that is, you know, I don't stand alone in my own little bubble. <laughs> That's going to be the case for more and more of us. But, you know, for some people who don't have an awareness of these things I'm talking about, that's just going to inflate their anger and their frustration at the government and the systems um, even more. At least we know that we can, um, you know, trust in the universe, that we know how the process of manifestation works. So we have kind of like perhaps um, a little bit of a um, a little bit of a heads up rather than those people who just exist purely within the mainstream and purely within consensus reality um so yeah that's um that was just a, another kind of um important theme that i wanted to talk about in today's um new year's special so 
Of course, at this time of year, as we head inexorably into the new year 2024, one thinks of New Year's resolutions and things like that and how we might change our behaviours in 2024, what we might change about our lives. Uh, we might um, what we might be thinking of changing our job, starting new relationships, moving to a new part of the country or perhaps moving to a completely different country or who knows what we may be considering. But it does sort of bring our minds round to what is commonly called a life review or what I call a life audit. And the end of the year is as good a time uh, as any to undertake such a thing. And many of you guys may well be doing this right now, listening to this particular episode. And of course, um, it's important that we are truthful in our self-reflection, that we um, are sincere and we may be thinking of things of, you know, how to improve our health and well-being. Um, also, how we might be, you know, wanting to um, further our careers, etc., etc. Now, in this in this vein or in this light, something I found or have found very useful actually. Not sure within the last few years. So, this is something um, that I got that I discovered on. You may or may not have heard of um, a guy called Owen Cook, aka Tyler of um, Real Social Dynamics or RSD Nation. Now he is probably the don, <laughs> the don of the whole men's movement, but also his work, getting on for 20 years now, um, kind of reaches into spiritual and personal development. And I know he, uh, old Tyler, Owen Cook, isn't everyone's uh, cup of tea because he's he's very outspoken and he, he does amazing tours across the US, Canada, and across the world um, as well. And he's got loads and loads uh, of content. And of course, he's um, you know a very, very well-known chap. And he has um, uh, clients who include very high-profile billionaires. So he's, you know, he's a, he's a very high-profile character. But anyway, I get to the point. I saw something <clears throat> within the last few years on his Facebook uh, page that's proved proven to be really helpful and I think helpful in terms of um, a life review or audit and it's called 30 life hacks now obviously I'm not going to read Owen Cook's 30 life hacks to you now um, but I'm just going to pick out a couple because I think they're really um, I think they're really pertinent to anyone um, anyone walking the path and uh, yeah and what I was saying um, Owen what I've always liked about Owen I've I've kind of like dipped in and out with his work and Julian, of course, over the years, because I really um, I really like the way in which he combines the whole sort of men improving their dating life, improving their confidence and just, you know, becoming better human beings, not just in terms of their dating life, you know, becoming more successful in business and things like that. But the way in which he combines it with spiritual development and, and personal development, I think it's... Um, yeah, I think he does an amazing job on that. Anyway, um, one of Owen Cook's 30 life hacks I want to pick up on is um, uh, number three. He describes it as train myself to do activities outside of my comfort zone. Now, for me personally, um, I know that's a real pertinent um, issue because 
whether it's a part of you know regarding oneself as being a bit alternative a bit kooky a bit out there i sort of i've i think it's easy to play a, a safe life because we go well uh, i don't want to have anything to do with the mainstream you know like you hear people go oh, well i don't watch tv anymore i don't have a tv I don't involve myself in mainstream life. You know, I don't go to the sports games. I don't go to the ballpark. You know, I don't do this. I don't do that because, you know, oh, I don't want to come across, you know, muggles or normies and things like that. And they're, they're very all, you know, people say low vibe people or people of low energy or, or I just, you know, hang out with my tribe at the ashram or, or the yoga centre or the... I don't know, or the, um, you know, shamanic centre, whatever it might be. Um, I think it's very, very easy. And I've done this in the past to sort of create a very limited life whereby we do, um, we don't do many activities uh, outside of our comfort zone. Um, so I just want to raise that as, as um, just as a, as a little, a little poke, you know, to, 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 um, to remember how easy it is when when we've been down many rabbit holes, when we've looked at all the ills in the world, when we've looked at all the evil, when we've looked at all the corruption, when we've looked at the ways in which our food supply is being poisoned. We know it is. Our air's, air's being poisoned, well document, we, documented. We know that's happening. We know the soil is delineated. We know the wrongs about big pharma and the pharmaceutical industry. I could go on and on and on and on. I won't. You get my point. When we continue to focus on that, or even if we've done it historically, like myself, it's so easy to just build this wall around ourselves. And it's like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't want to have to, you know, anything to do with that because that's all wrong. The medical profession's all corrupt. I'm not going to have anything to do with the mainstream media because, you know, everything that it produces it is all garbage. I'm not going to have anything to do with mainstream people because um, they're not interested in listening to my interesting perspective or take on the world or all this fascinating and yet disturbing information that I've been uh, accumulating over all these years. And we just wall ourselves into this very, very kind of comfortable, automated comfort zone and I know for myself um, in recent years, that is something that I've been working on and I will endeavour to work on more and more in 2024 is to try and move myself out of my comfort zone. And, and another way of doing that is to recognise there is still value in mixing with people who, you know, don't necessarily share our um, opinions or beliefs, which in the mainstream may be seen as a bit out there, a bit strange, a bit left field, a bit kooky. You can connect to people just through like on a heart level and just get a sense of their goodness, just what they are as a, as a human, as a human being, you know, the expression they give as a human being. And that's a kind of way in which I'm trying to live more and more. That doesn't mean you have to have them necessarily as as close friends, because it is important to have people as close friends who share our beliefs, who share our life philosophies, especially at this time as society is fracturing um, more and more and people are people are their positions are positions are sort of hardening, if I can um, can put it like that. And they are becoming more and more um more and more closed down so yeah that's um just picking up on 
one of Owen Cook's, Cook's sorry, life hacks, that's number three, about you know trying to do activities outside our comfort zone, which is something that I know certainly I'm going to work on. It's always been a hard one for me in 2024. And I'm also going to just pick up on a second one, and this is number 22. Owen speaks of um, taking extreme ownership of my life, or if I can put it, of our life. And I think, again... The reason why I'm picking up on this as being a pertinent one is when we've done all the research and when <clears throat> perhaps now we're moving into more gaining esoteric knowledge, gaining more kind of knowledge about how the universe works, how it hangs together, what our place is in the universe, um, we can move away more and more from victim, um, sort of a kind of victim blame type thing. But I think there is this sort of, I know I've, it's happened to me as well, continue. We can sort of fall into lack of action and not taking extreme ownership of our life because everything becomes quite sort of ethereal, if I can put it that way. Everything becomes quite abstract when we're, when we're focusing on higher dimensional aspects to existence and we forget the mechanics of our day-to-day -day life, which ultimately is, that is uh, the vehicle for our spiritual growth, if you like, that is the, the, the canvas that we have to work, that we have to paint upon, is the circumstances. The, the circumstances of our daily lives are, if you like, they are our art, they are our craft. And any of the knowledge that we've gained over the years only has any value in terms of when we apply that. Um, knowledge in terms of gnosis to know thyself in order to create wisdom to make you know wise choices in our life to uh, and how we um, impact upon others so yeah I think it's an, another important one taking extreme ownership of my life or our lives if I can put it like that again um, so we don't fall into victim blame and we actually just um, we do take action as I was saying before the whole frustration and anger thing more and more twenty, more and more twenty twenty four is going to be, um, I believe, is going to be about um, the importance of taking action, um, the importance of not just not just being lost in mind and in ideas and in endless thinking, and and in endless longing to sort of see a better world. Um, I think that's something to watch for. Anyway. I want to move on now to another important theme that I've picked up on recently, and I think it's going to grow and expand into 2024 and the years beyond. And I believe is an important part of the awakening process. I haven't really heard anyone else talking about. And I could, I guess, if I was going to nutshell it, I'd call it sort of like glitches or glitch in glitches in the matrix. And um, what we need to remember is something else a lot of people in the New Age conspiracy, conspiracy circles, what they don't mention is, or I haven't heard them anyway, the few that I follow, is how the awakening process or the force of awakening, perhaps I should say, the force of awakening, that, that impacts upon every um, living soul on this planet. It's not just exclusively to people who already are on the path of awakening, um, excuse me, um, or who have awareness of all of these themes, concepts and ideas. It, it impacts 
upon everyone, even all you know our hate, um, most hated, hateful figures in the mainstream, um, in the mainstream media, uh, because we are all on a path of awakening. It is inevitable. It is unavoidable, and it may take. It's going to 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 move this planet is to something a little bit more bearable, if I can put it in those sort of very crass terms, crass way. It's probably going to take decades and decades, if not hundreds of years. But during 2024, more and more, I think um, it's going to be um, unavoidable to journalists in the mainstream uh, of the uncomfortable truth um, of their profession and the lies that they are that they are pushing um, as outside forces press upon or influence the conditions on on planet Earth. And what we've seen with uh, Israel's continued actions in the, the Gaza the Gaza Strip is um, what could be called also the law of unintended consequences. So many, everyone now, you know, even those with blinkers on can see the brutality of, of the um, Israeli regime and their military, if I can put it like that. And um, I just want to give an example of what is happening. OK, so recently I listened secondhand, it wasn't my choice, uh, to a BBC Radio 4 show and there was um, a journalist on there and she was saying, someone who was at the time, who was pushing the whole Covid agenda, but she was saying something interesting. For a start, she was getting extremely, extremely angry because what she was saying was she was being forced to, to, to face a truth and it was interesting because what she was saying was how can Britain be regarded as a bastion of, you know, um, sort of progressive politics of democracy, upholding the rule of law, the rights of minorities? How can Britain, you know, be be a beacon of all of that? Or is, how can Bri how can Britain be considered as a beacon when the British government are turning a blind eye to the genocide um, in Gaza? Uh, and you could see she was having like, you know, it was a glitch in the matrix. She couldn't, you know, she went on to explain how ineffective the UN are. Well, anyone, you know, with any insight obviously knows the UN is not there to promote peace. Um, it's there to do the opposite. So if you're having journalists within the mainstream who obviously are being forced to face the truth and these sort of contradictory uh, ideas um, that they hold, you could see her faith in these ideas around democracy, this sort of concept of um, international, an international set of laws or, you know, they will say, don't it? it's an illegal war. Well, how is war ever legal? But there are said to be, you know, certain rules, procedures and protocols. And, you know, here in the West, at least, and, and Britain being the mother of all democracies, of course, is, you know, is the, the shining light on the hill. And, and I think that more and more, um, not just with Israel's actions, with other things going on in the world, because, of course, um, the Palestinian people aren't the only minority group being um, being being brutalised um, in this way. There are many, many other uh, people being brutalised, I have no doubt, in a similar way. But the mainstream media just chooses at this time to focus on their particular plight. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. In many ways, it's right that that's being brought to the attention of people. But we always need to remember that the, the mainstream news is not 
is not an objective um it's not an objective news broadcasting system it's just a collection of stories that's why they say you know and now over to jane for the latest news stories because they're just little little stories um they're not there's no real kind of objective truth to any of it and as i say you we all have to be our own um independent journalists of course we've known this for many years but anyway back to the point sorry to go off the being there a little bit is that more and more the beliefs that journalists in the mainstream hold about the world and you know the whole sort of western nations the western alliance being bastions of democracy and um you know the rule of law and and justice and that we hold up the rights of minorities more and more especially if as now being touted by the israeli militaries this situation is going to carry on for many many more months it's going to wake a lot of people up or at least rattle a lot of um, mainstream journalists you know political commentators and analysts because their own faith in the system is going to be um it's going to be called into question and i think that's going to really um reach it's gonna it's going to um intensify so i should say in 2024 and creating as I said just a moment, these sort of glitches in the Matrix, a bit like, you know, Howard Beale in in the fantastic 1976 movie Network, in that, you know, he was um, a news broadcaster for one of the main news networks in the US. And he had, he had um, you know, what the mainstream would describe as a breakdown, perhaps, you know, you, you and I might describe it as a spiritual awakening. You know, he had a massive shift in consciousness and, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, mainstream journalists will go, you know, as far as uh, what happened to um, Howard Beale in the, in the film network. But again, what this also speaks to is that this sort of um, what just to pick up a little bit of what I speak about in Into the Void and what I call truth for chapel, truth for delusions and this sort of narrow minded way in which people think when they just get lost down too many rabbit holes and people say, well, I don't. I don't watch TV. I don't take any notice of what's happening in the mainstream media. Well, I don't watch a lot of mainstream news and all the rest of it, but I kind of keep my my ear to the ground, if you know what that means. So I can spot signs and I can spot patterns, right? So what we need to be is a wise observer, not just con not just someone that condemns everything in the mainstream, okay, is to be... Um, is to be a sort of wise, detached observer, because otherwise, if you're not, if you completely ignore everything that happens in the mainstream, then you're kind of like missing the plot. I think we're missing the plot, and you're not you're not able then to to, to kind of like connect the dots. And also listening to this journalist and hearing how distressed she was, you know, rightly so, the situation in the Gaza, getting her questioning and her own perception of reality. And, you know, the so-called civility or, you know, uh, of the Western world, getting, you know, having that called into question. That's that's quite a significant thing. And it, it, it makes us realise that, you know, we're not standing alone, as I was just saying here in this whole um, process of awakening. It's really it's 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 a very nuts and bolts process. It isn't just about evolving to. 5d consciousness 
and these people that you know think well as we evolve those of us who have more awareness that somehow you know we won't even you know those on the lower level of consciousness in 3d they won't even see us and all these sorts of kind of ideas which i've spoken about before when i spoke about the celestine prophecy uh, i'm not saying that won't happen but a lot of this uh, process you know of the awakening is is just everyday it's going to affect everyday people in very sort of um very kind of um sort of mundane ways as well so we need to be we need to remain um aware of that i think it's um it's something you know that we should we shouldn't lose sight of really anyway um in the last part of this uh discerning consciousness 2024 new year special i just want to turn my eyes or turn my attention to um the fact of course that next year 2024 is a big election year uk general election and we got the us presidential election of course now the interesting thing is of course we already know of the attempts to stop former president trump from running i believe it's Maine is the latest state to um, outlaw um, his um, includement or, on the ballot paper. We don't know. There'll probably be court cases to contest this sort of thing. It's, it's all this all going on. What I really want to commentate on or comment on, sorry, I should say, in regards to US presidential election is that undoubtedly, I think the Trump card, pardon the pun, will be played again. It will be Trump card part two. And um, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, really, because, you know, Trump is a very divisive figure, um, but he I've always seen him as is kind of like a positive in that, you know, he's because he's a businessman and not a politician, then that's that's a good start from from my from my perspective. And the fact that he isn't politically correct again, you know, he, he does put a spanner in the works because he doesn't he doesn't play along um by the normal sort of globalist woke protocols if you like now um it remains to be seen will will trump will he will he be able to run i suspect that that will that he will i just think there's so much uh he still continues to have um so much support within the united states so i think inevitably he will will we see a rerun of 2020 well, we saw just such an we saw um you know in the midst obviously of covid as well we saw a very crass attempt to steal an election um that was just so obvious again part of the great awakening in that you know anyone could see it was obviously a lot of fraud and and corruption that was going on so the people behind trump uh sorry i should say sorry the people behind um Biden, well, some some people might say it's the same people behind Trump and and Biden. Who knows? You know, ultimately, who knows? But anyway, those forces, shall we say, behind Biden, who who would who were desperate to keep Trump out out of the Oval Office again, what are they going to do? Are they? It's un it's unlikely that Biden will be able to run again. Um, so it it's going to be fascinating to see um, who Trump, in terms of the Democratic. Um, candidate who 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 will he be up against um and how will it how will it all play out um there is this theory of course that one of the reasons why covid uh, happened was obviously to unsettle and um 
former President Trump and to cause a lot of problems for him. So, you know, what, what, what could we see? What could the globalists and the dark forces behind that, if they are feeling cornered, if they feel like they've run out of options, especially now after COVID was such an epic failure in terms of lasting, enduring control me mechanisms on people's lives, day-to-day -day lives, could we, are we likely to see um, a fake alien invasion? I mean, it, they certainly do need something extreme to galvanise public opinion against a common enemy. In this instance, of course, it would be, uh, you know, little green aliens <laughs> coming down from the sky. And it probably would be that silly and that crass because they really are, um, they really are running out of options um, now. And from my perspective, obviously, last time, I took a very keen interest in the US presidential election, I think obviously because it was, um, you know, still um, during a real heavy period during COVID and lockdowns and all the rest of it. So I did fall into Trump saviour syndrome or Trump or, or the saviour, Trump saviour complex, because, you know, like many people, I was desperate. I wanted this, um, I wanted this crime, this psyop to end. So, of course, I was looking to a strong, powerful figure. I mean, I've worked through all of that now, so I will be a detached, interesting observer, um, but I'm not going to you know, not become emotionally attached in terms of needing a Trump-like saviour figure. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting, fascinating to see what's going to play out, because... Um, I just think the globalists and, 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 you know, the hidden unknowns, they really are, as I say, and they're backed into a corner now. They've been trying to reset the system by creating a huge war. Uh, Putin isn't, isn't taking the bait uh, and also Iran isn't taking the bait in terms of what's happening in the Middle East, in Gaza and, and Israel. And anything that they do now, it's only going to wake, it's only going to wake, um, it's only going to wake more people up. So, um, yeah, watch this space um, to see what's going to happen. But, I mean, the only thing I'm pretty certain of is that they're not going to be able to avoid Trump um, running. And and if Trump, Trump uh, does run and does win, um, of course, you know, um, the globalists, um, the shadow government, what you, whatever you want to call them, they will try and um, kind of turn that to their favour anyway by you know, by adding to this sort of gross polarization politically and socially within American, within American society. But I just lastly want to, lastly want to say this. I just don't think that playing Trump card two is going to have the same impact within American society and within the broader world because we're not in COVID anymore. You know, we're not we're not in that pressured situation where people are looking for a savior anything like to the same the same extent so um i just don't think the the presidential election in the us is going to be as polarizing as it was last time i remember there were all these predictions about uh after um biden was illegally installed as the fake president there's going to be all these um you know sort of antifa black lives matter uh inspired um civil war across uh, America's cities and 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 it, and it didn't happen luckily and and I, and I think again 
I think there will be a lot of unwise truther types who are going to put out a lot of very sort of um, explosive information, you know, about a, an American collapse or an American civil war. So I personally wouldn't pay play any uh, pay sorry any attention to that. For sure, it's going to be um, a really uh, interesting um, year politically um, in the US, certainly. But uh, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna become emotionally uh, attached like I did last time, which you can probably hear on some of the old um, recordings or episodes I did um, during the election um, process uh, with Mike, my old co-host, back in the back end of 2020 and 2021 when I was looking into some of the Q stuff. I've kind of learned my lesson now about not becoming emotionally attached. And just lastly, in this New Year special, of course, here in the UK. In old Blighty, we've got our old, um, we've got our own general election, which has to happen at some point before December 2024 in the five-year election cycle. Now, again, you know, as is repeated across much of the Western world, really, there's within within Britain, there's no real enthusiasm for any party or any political movement. Generally, the system has run out of new plots and vi viable or you know plausible um, characters political characters on the stage and um, I suspect I would think that the Labour Party will win um, with a very small majority so they'll be able to form a government I'm going to talk about this too much because I'm running out of time now um, but there's no real enthusiasm for the Labour Party here even though people have had they've had enough of um, the Conservative Party now after what will be um, 14, nearly 14, 15 years of government. And again, you know, as we know generally in terms of democracy and politics, that, I mean, what more can it do? The, the system really can't, it can't, it can't uh, reinforce its legitimacy. It can't reinforce its um, relevancy because once trust is lost, you know, like in a relationship, once trust is lost on either side, that's it. You can't repair it once that's gone. So, I mean, what I advise for, for people in Britain is, and I've always advised it, is um, just don't take part. Don't vote. Don't register to vote. Um, and I don't. Brexit was def different because Brexit was a way of, you know, giving two fingers up to the political institutions and the political establishment here in the UK. That's why I did vote for Brexit. And of course, um, the, the very fascistic European Union to just, um, you know, give them a kick up the butt, so to speak. But in terms of the UK election 2024, what I would advise for British people is if you don't vote, then at least that way you're not confirming or legitimising the system. And then if if we get to future elections whereby less than 50 percent of the population vote, then the, the, the election would be considered null and void. It has no legitimacy because um, only a minority of the electorate who are entitled to vote um, have voted. And then perhaps, you know, something, at least there might be a conversation within the political establishment about perhaps creating a better electoral system or something along along those lines. But, but at the moment, it's kind of like... Um, it's a standoff. What we have here in the UK is a standoff between the political establishment and the main and the established political parties. 
and the and the electorates uh, we as the electorate the people we know that politicians lie they always have done we know they can't say the truth about what the country really needs because then they wouldn't be elected we know it's all just they just appeal to to um, the public and their naivety and their emotional immaturity and they just play on that and um that isn't that doesn't that doesn't appear that doesn't appear to that it's going to change any any time soon but one good thing is the more the system just carries on certain with these sort of us presidential election and the general election here in the uk the more these systems um just carry on as they have been and and don't reform in any way the more that is going to wake people up because they are going to sort of really sense the total the total and utter absurdity of the situation and and lastly people would say well you know why aren't do, do you, why do you take interest in elections alone not really on a very sort of granular micro level but again i like to be aware of trends and patterns because then that's how you can see how all the things that happen in the macro external world how it that is all interconnected and how that links to the micro our uh, our own internal worlds as well you can't we can't just completely shut ourselves off to everything that happens in mainstream society and day-to-day day-to-day life because for most people that is their reality and and i equate it to like during covid um some people were saying um covid19 doesn't exist at all it was never um isolated in a lab and um therefore it doesn't exist it was just rebadged rebadged or rebanded rebranded flu sorry i should say the thing is, though, to most of the world's population, it did exist. So whether it was real or not, it doesn't matter. It still is a thing. And it's like with these two, um, the two big elections here in the UK and the US that I've been talking about is, you know, for a still a sizable amount of people, they are important events in the year. You know, and we know it's just all part of the movie theatre, but they do, you know, they do trigger a lot of people's interest. So that's why we can't just turn away from it and we should at least have some sort of um passing interest without becoming emotionally attached as i keep saying which is very important way in which we retain our sanity anyway i'm just going to round things up now just um i just want to share some closing thoughts and first of all thank you for listening uh to this uh discerning consciousness uh 2024 new year special i hope um what i've been sharing is of interest and um has given you uh, pause, some food for thought. It's quite a, a meaty, lengthy episode um, today. I realised that, and um, I do wish you a very happy and successful twenty twenty four. Yeah, and I hope you do embrace your dharma and live your passions, and always realise. I try and remind myself, even when I'm in my darkest moments, I try and remind myself every day that there is always a bigger picture or a bigger view or a bigger vista that is that is emerging beyond our conscious awareness there's always um there's always a more interesting fascinating trajectory that our life is taking that perhaps we never really whilst we're alive we never really have a concept of we can't even build a picture of it so when we're having our dark days remember that's all part of it as well i think So anyway, thank you all so much for listening. And um, yeah, I will speak to you all again very soon. Bye bye for now.